0: Live from the 6th and Peabody Studio and across the Outkick Network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski.
1: Just like that, the final hour is here. Wednesday edition, Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. No Withrow. He's back with us tomorrow. You can read his column on coaching... His daughter's team. His first column at OutKick.com, available for you there. PK's got one coming up later this week that will be uh, highly entertaining. I won't spoil it, but Friday it will. Uh, Friday morning, all right. Looking forward to that as well. Um, headlines out there today: Grizzlies, Warriors, um, Curry is firing up. This so the Warriors are on the road tonight with a chance to close out the series. They lead three-one. Uh, as they play in Memphis. Memphis will not have Ja Morant. We know that. Uh, meanwhile, you've got Steph Curry, who uh, that he was asked, Paul, uh, well, what are the goals tonight? How do you get a victory? And he said, whoop that trick, which is the the song that the Grizzlies um, play after a win. Uh, it, it, he's stirring the pot. And because of that, I told Davey Hudson in the middle of the commercial break here, I said, um, I'm picking the Warriors to win. I like a motivated Curry and Clay Thompson willing to go on the road and just close it out and get on with the postseason.
0: I think I lean with you there. I think um, Memphis kind of did all it could do in that last one, played a really sound defensive game.
1: It also confirms to me that I am more about Ja Morant than I am Grizzlies. Yeah. You know, with him being out, I just might as well advance Curry and Thompson.
0: Well, I, I don't see a whole lot to latch on to there. I, I, I'm sure if you're close to that team, you, you hook on to all the grittiness yeah. and all of that. And yeah. they played a great defensive game last game, but they didn't have enough offense to, to you know, the, so did the Warriors. Um, and, you know, they, they scored the last, the, the last basket there to, uh, to, to, make it, to make it a win. And so I, I feel like Memphis probably kind of spent
1: Celtics and Bucks tonight. Series is tied two games apiece. Game five in Boston. I think the winner of the series uh, is the the team that wins tonight, and I think the team that wins tonight is headed to the NBA finals.
0: I saw a preview uh, story on this game. I thought the picture was just preview. It was one player from each team just on the ground, <laughs> like one the the Celtic was like holding his head, and the the Buck was just. Uh, you know, looked like he was taking his time getting up. And it was uh, a picture of a physical series. Um, it's been, it's been and tight. And that's why we were talking, I think, off air. It feels like, you know, Miami should win the other semi here. Yep. And <clears throat> I don't know. that I, I haven't watched a lot of Miami. I, I confess. They're streaky. But, yeah. And I don't feel like, that. can they body up with with either of those other teams? I
1: don't see that. I I see out of the East, uh, to me, the cream of the crop is playing in the series tonight. Yeah, and they're more physical teams. And I could see either Boston or Milwaukee winning the whole thing as well.
0: And I'm rooting for the more physical teams. Generally speaking, though, I I don't know, Phoenix has a little of that. Aiton will get in there and and bang and stuff. But if you had to categorize Phoenix... I don't think uh, physical is one of the first words no, but I, that you'd say.
1: I don't say that much so they at don't all back down. anyway right now. You know. Well, I'm saying across the NBA, I don't think physicality as one of the attributes that comes to mind on any of these teams.
0: So you, we've I, seen more of that in these it, playoffs. We've
1: seen it in Memphis and Golden State, which is it's rare to put Golden State in that same frame.
0: Right, But Boston took out the Nets by banging on Durant. Sure. Yeah, but you in, know, the, we've in seen the final it selectively. game for sure. Yeah, Giannis the, the game, other very day. Physical. I didn't see the game the other day, but on Sunday, all of the uh, memes on Twitter were about Giannis going to the basket and yeah. the
1: bulls and, he, well, and, the, and everything because he was just and the Grizzlies people series. over.
0: So there's been uh, there's been doses of physicality, and I feel like the the physical stuff is one. We've for, seen for the most
1: part, we've seen some physical uh, threats in the uh, fan bases as well, courtside.
0: Oh, last night, by the way, in the Dallas uh, Suns game, you had a guy chase a guy down the tunnel after they both got ejected.
1: The, oh, that was what that was?
0: Yeah. He went down the wrong tunnel after the, the Mavs guy chased the
1: guy. Oh, I thought that guy was just Suns uh, guy down the tunnel. over a bad Then call he came, and came back out and he
0: went down the right tunnel. Oh, wow. Security was very quick to follow him down. C- Chris, uh, I think, was the Mav. I, I, they're not top. Top level guys. That's well, not two
1: teams. Uh, something bad is going to happen, Paul. I, I, you know, I don't always think the worst or assume that something's uh, evident. Uh, like just that's already happened before we see it. There will be a. Fa- there's going to be a fan player incident soon with how
0: oh, this was player player.
1: Are, uh, well, I know, but I'm saying that there's going to be some kind of trash talk go on that boils over, uh, especially with uh, the the right the right fan or the wrong fan, I should say. That's uh, a little. Over-served. Yeah, so did
0: you see the headline, the updated headline about the Chris Paul uh, family incident in Dallas was that they wanted to give, un- uh, the, the kid I, apparently wanted to give unwanted hugs. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Which, uh, so a little different than uh, laying hands on, but still, I mean, if they don't want to be hugged. I, have I you
1: seen some of the, the ideas that have been floated out there now based on this? I mean, cages? They, no, they want like a family section. For for road teams and stuff, um, I, I think
0: it would take an incident to get yeah there, because what are you going to box them in, glass them in?
1: But why why all of a I sudden are we having that. this issue? Like the, the, yeah,
0: because people are more and more comfortable completely hating on uh, other human beings and the, and they think the ticket. But that's been the going on. I mean, it, I
1: mean, the Malice in the Palace was. Uh, over a decade ago yeah, now, but right? I mean, oh, well over a decade, yeah, I think. 20. But it
0: really came down after that. I think we checked ourselves after that. Uh, but now...
1: Well, the players did, for sure.
0: Yeah. Now it's know? we've gotten back to a level like that, which is a shame. I think it reflects a little bit of the divisiveness in America, but it shouldn't because sports is one of the places where if you're wearing green for the Celtics and I'm well, wearing green uh, for the Celtics... Our other differences generally don't matter because we walk in and we're walking out together. If the Celtics win, fist bumping each other. Like our guys got it done, and all that matters is that we're both wearing Celtics green.
1: The difference, though, is the proximity. But what
0: happens is our Celtics green against the Bucks green then becomes the divisiveness, and so we turn yeah. the level of hate just turns it's, into we're not uh, blue and, and red, we're green and green. Fighting each other.
1: Well, but it's also um, that people are willing to not just toe the line, but cross the line on trash talk now, right? Like there's more acceptance with podcasts and stuff going on, even with player. I'm talking about from the player yeah. aspect where they can speak their mind and be, you know, R-rated that we just didn't see before. That was a line, um, and and we we've always seen it behind the scenes. We've always heard it if you're courtside or on the sideline for a game but now i've noticed it more maybe it's just me noticing it more and maybe it's the network showing it more that allows more access to this but i i see a lot more interaction between player and fan now even during the game they're in in game guys are defending or bringing the ball up the floor and they look over and shout something to the to the courtside guy right like that that's what I'm picking up on more than I am like player versus player or something that happens between a fan and a fan in the stands.
0: I think on the fan side, the overserved thing is always big too. That's, that's why it was almost a nice surprise that the, the guy involved with Chris Paul's family looked like he was 17 and drunkenness was not a factor in that thing. His mom was walking him up the aisle after Chris Paul said, I'll see you later. But the kid was, could have been fourteen, maybe it was yeah, seventeen, knows? but he wasn't drunk, I, I which don't is a rare. So,
1: no, he's just wanting to hug everyone. <laughs> Apparently, which could also be a sign of intoxication. I yeah. mean, depending I, on how I, you I react. Mean, I to don't it. think
0: booze was a factor in that one. Um, it's a factor in most of
1: them. most underrated NFL storyline of the off season thus far. And and I bring this up, Paul. We we have different answers here, and I think there's an honorable mention as well. Um, I bring this up because now we're post-draft and there have been plenty of discussion points with all the player movement. And I'll begin, and I like your answer too. I'm going with one that has been covered, but I don't think enough. Russell Wilson is now the quarterback for the Denver Broncos. Russell Wilson is, I believe, 34 years old. Um, And he's in the middle of his prime. I, I look at the age factor, the fact that normally... Uh, the top quarterbacks in the league, and believe me, he's the top quarterback in the league in terms of passer rating uh, and QBR, excuse me, QBR, uh, compared to any of these guys over the last four or five years that you want to put him up against. He, He is very efficient week to week on what you can count on from him. And the fact that he gets away from Seattle and lands in the best division in football, that turns everything upside down, not just for that division, because it's, two more games for every team in that division that they have to face on a young roster uh, that was already competitive, maybe not playoff competitive, but competitive last season. And while they give up draft picks and they gave up Noah Fant and some players, they didn't give up the core group of receivers that Wilson now inherits around him, the offensive linemen, the run game. All that's back intact on top of a defense that is the heart and soul of what they're about in Denver. I, I I think this has been well underplayed because we always point to the other teams in the division. The Chargers have done a lot of good things this offseason around Justin Herbert. We know Patrick Mahomes is going to be just fine with the receiving core and that new-look receiving core that they have there, getting back to more of what they did well than what we saw towards the end of last season. But Wilson was just traded to a team with legitimate speed and athleticism at receiver, big targets for him there and an offensive line that could protect him better than what he saw in Seattle. I think this is a big storyline that's been used and, and, and treated as a big storyline that's still been underplayed to the extent of which we talk about the top headlines across the NFL. It's just been kind of Russell Wilson's there now. That's a big move oh, by the way, Tyreek Hill's gone in Kansas City. Let's spend a ton of time yeah. speaking on this. Well,
0: I think part of the reason it's been underplayed, a couple reasons. One, just because there hasn't been a singular headline. And um, so all of them have been diluted a little bit. You mentioned Tyreek Hill. You've got Devontae Adams. Yep. We had the Aaron Rodgers drama that was going on very much simultaneously to, to that. His return, I yep. think, was the same day. Same day. That the Russell Wilson's trade hours So they hours. both got cut in half a little bit, um, that initial burst. So it has been covered well, but not to the degree you're talking about. Where- I think the
1: impact on the season, that, the impact of that move on the upcoming regular season means more than what we've actually discussed with it. Like the, the, the week-to-week progress of that team and, and the storylines of the AFC, the competitive AFC, were now I mean, AFC South. Let's factor in Tennessee and Indianapolis. They have to play Denver this year. Of course, the division's going to eat itself up, but it's the other teams within the AFC that have to go through Denver now and face up. what was already a very competitive team. Uh, they go, have a chance to go from good to great with the quarterback that they've added.
0: I, I get all of what you're saying. Uh, I'm not as into Russell Wilson as some others, including you. Here's another reason I think maybe um maybe it hasn't, and, and I agree with you, it's been an under underplayed storyline. You're not wrong. Um Chad and I, on the day that you weren't here, one of the topics that we discussed was stacking that division. And we both had Denver last, um, which I think is conceivable. I think it's conceivable they come in second also. I, I don't think they'd win it. I just the, don't think Kansas let, let City. Me,
1: let, let me just give the disclaimer here, and I hope we don't have to do this every time, but I, I come from the, the line of thinking that we don't have to say this all the time. Of course, injuries are going to play a factor in all this. Right. Yeah. Uh, so if you're going to hit the replay button on this in December, keep in mind that we are not factoring in injuries because we're looking at things as, as the roster now. sits right yeah. now.
0: Right, obviously. But
1: Um, you're saying Denver's going to finish last. Well, I mean, if... If If everybody's a full power... Kansas City loses Mahomes in week two... Yeah, everything changes. Then your opinion changes. Everything
0: changes. But right now, with everybody at full strength, I think Denver maybe has it the toughest. New coach, new quarterback, uh, a lot of newness to sift through in a division where I'm probably too high on the Chargers and remain so, but I think they're on the upswing and they made a lot of good additions. And they're in year two of the coach and I like their quarterback a lot where I'm buying McDaniels second time around, maybe. I've always kind of liked Carr. I like Adams, and I'm going to give the Raiders a little bit of the benefit of the doubt for third. And, and I've made the mistake of doubting Kansas City before. I'm not going not gonna to do it again. So that's another reason. To me, it's not quite as big because a lot of the other teams that made the moves I see as more more of a playoff contender quite frankly the jets to me might be more of a playoff contender than denver well, in, in the long run well, see, even I though think, denver's going to be a better but team. let me
1: let me tie in the denver storyline with the jets for instance if they want to be the surprise team if miami now with all the weapons now want to jump up and be the surprise team there we know the bills again all things on paper being equal as they are today on may the 11th the bills are winning that division yeah I don't think there's, I think it's conceivable because of the Russell Wilson addition in the AFC West, Paul, that we could see three teams from that division get in. Could. Now that we have seven teams in the playoffs. Uh, Towards the back end of November last year, it was conceivable that the AFC North could have had three teams in the playoffs last year. Yep. So that's not just something that is is unheard of. And because of that, I, I think the surprise team in another division is likely the eighth or ninth seed because of the Russell Wilson addition to all this.
0: Yeah, could well be. And we've seen three teams from one division even when it was six.
1: Yeah, that's right. Right. With the two wild
0: cards. Um, So, you know, you never know what's going to happen. But it is interesting how things uh, do and don't become stories. And I think there'll be another round of big Russell Wilson hope before uh, hype before the season we're starts. We're seeing some Training of Training camp trips for all the national that, people no, are definitely going sure. to Denver. For sure, and we're
1: seeing it with the schedule release because Denver's They'll involved get the in max. a lot of these. They'll get the max yes. of uh,
0: primetime games, which yep. is five still, I think. I think it's five. They'll get five, for sure. I, I think they uh, – they're a popular primetime team anyway because they carry so much territory. Yeah, um, and they, they have, have a they bigger have a fan, big base fan base than what
1: what you may realize nationally. They, do. it's not it's not Dallas, and it you know it's not a New York team. Second tier, though. Yeah, but it's I mean you can find the the Denver connections wherever you go across the country. Yeah,
0: strong second tier.
1: Um, you have a strong. Option on your underplayed storyline well, of the offseason?
0: There's been so much contract talk. The, the biggest contract of the offseason was Aaron Rodgers coming to an agreement. Uh, and we've seen some big wide receivers. But I think the most underrated story here is that Lamar Jackson has done nothing contractually. And we've heard nothing from him contractually. The only thing we've heard is him being a little upset about what Hollywood Brown had to say on his way out of town. He doesn't have an agent, his mother might be involved, he's involved, and look, I understand that he might play it like Kirk Cousins or Dak Prescott played it, which is fine. He's got his fifth-year option this year, 2022, is $23 million roughly, and in 2023, the franchise tag projects to be $45.4 million dollars. The year after that, it would be a twenty percent increase, which would get him to fifty point eight five million dollars, and he could play this string out like Kirk Cousins did. The thing to me is
1: one eighteen over three years is what that all adds up. Yeah,
0: one one I have one nineteen point okay. two six to if if I'm using out the decimal points, but that should be the core of a the first three years of a long term deal that he negotiates out. And the reason I, if I'm Lamar Jackson, would be more prone to get to work on a deal that starts with those three years is my body's at more risk than Kurt Cousins or Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott did get hurt during during his thing. But Lamar Jackson's getting hit and he's on the move a lot more than either of those two guys were. And the only reason you're reluctant to go year by year on a path like this is because you might get hurt and if you get hurt, then the team's a lot less likely to say, "Yeah, let's pick up on those long term contract talks."
1: well, i think uh, I agree I think the the negotiation tactic of this has been very underplayed because the reports are in Baltimore that they have not come close to the forty to forty five million annual salary It's been closer to like long-term, like a five-year, 30 to 35 million tight. I
0: don't see how you have that choice. Nobody and, has that choice. We're talking about Baker Mayfield, and Cleveland didn't have that choice. Once you get to that point, the franchise tag dictates. Yep. And that's where you start with those three numbers I just said, the fifth-year option, the franchise tag, and then 20% on the franchise so, tag, because those are the things that keep them under your control. Here's, you have no choice but to go there or to look at your next quarterback.
1: Here is the gamble and, and look, gamble, I don't love Lamar Jackson the gamble Paul is not this year it was last year he played last year on a base salary of 1.7 million he didn't hold out he didn't demand a new contract as his own representation Man, or could have got a
0: guarantee up front He could pull the was AJ hurt Brown and
1: sick could pull the AJ Brown as a quarterback we've seen the quarterbacks who want movement they get movement he played last year on one point seven. Got hurt, Game and was and we sick saw what lot. happened towards the back. End. Yeah, he's very sickly. He uh, <laughs> gets sick a that lot. lot. That's
0: a big thing. Um,
1: he, uh, but that was that was the gamble because now he is locked in
0: to those numbers. At twenty, was 23. making
1: twenty three or twenty four this year. Yeah, twenty three. So he he gets his payday this year. If he's not going to negotiate, but he could last be making year,
0: forty this year if he went hard line
1: not if or they're only going to give him early on if you're going to give him the extension early before his contract expires the reports were like the initial conversation then was 5 years with an annual salary of like 30 to 35 million and he wants more of what's to come with the new tv money which will take this money up by 10 plus 10 million plus on that annual salary
0: most projections so have seen gamble. by the projection sites have him at like a 43 average. Right. So if he could be getting a 43 average, I'm surprised he's not looking to start to get that 43 average now, which would come with a lot of it, a bonus in his pocket So now. the
1: 43 average is what he's going to get on the franchise tag. Yeah. And then if with the, the second tag would take him closer to 53 million. Right. Yeah,
0: it's fifty point one, pretty which much. Which is one hundred and twenty percent.
1: So it's a, it's a financial play where he's he's already played a season on one point seven,
0: which is crazy.
1: I know, and he got through that despite getting hurt and being sick. He got through that to where he holds a lot of leverage now at twenty three million, and he can just continue to do this and build, or he leverages it against a long term contract where the average is going to be what it is anyway.
0: Yeah. I'd want the long term a for my health the signing because I'm bonus, risk guarantees. and get some of it in the bag yeah. now. Well, I think a he, big chunk of it because I, you're going to get a I, huge chunk of it. I don't is think, guaranteed I, now. I think
1: the under it's a very fascinating topic you bring up because I agree it's been underplayed. And most guys are
0: not patient at all. Most Ex- guys are AJ Brown. Oh,
1: but AJ Brown had an agent. Think about not having an agent and being patient at age 24 or however old he is to stay patient when you're representing yourself against the franchise who's thinking they're going to take advantage of you, you know your value. You're a starting quarterback, former league MVP, who made 1.7 base last year. And he was patient enough. Where He may be vocal behind the scenes. We don't know that. But he does not play things through the media, which would be very difficult in this day and age to do. He doesn't plant seeds or, you know, uh, run and you know play the telephone game where he spreads according to sources. Lamar Jackson wants this. You don't hear any of that. He's the opposite of Kyler Murray, I who respect shares an agent it. with the head coach
0: in Arizona. I respect it for now. Yeah, until he gets an undervalued deal but, because he didn't have help. But
1: I think the undervalued deal would have already taken place. I yeah, think now well, he he is knows. he patient
0: or is he naive? Is my question? But if he it looks like he's patient, uh, but when it comes out, when the time comes, maybe he's naive. So he's getting
1: twenty three after playing a one point seven, and he knows that he's going to be above the marker of where he wants to be in a long term deal anyway. Next year, it's either by the franchise tag or by or a long term deal, either with Baltimore or elsewhere. Either way, the dude knows he's going to be paid with new TV money coming in that will. Only rise the uh, the uh, the over the The
0: whole boat, all the boats,
1: all the the whole every boat is going to rise, especially the quarterback money, which is just going to be thrown around like crazy. Especially whenever you factor in Herbert and Burrow, yep, those are going to be top five. And now you're fact, yeah. So I mean, he's he knows he's getting paid, and if you're willing to play on one point seven he's going to play this out and then it's up to baltimore to come back to the table with something that can keep him there long term i don't they they've, they've structured their entire organization around his playing style and and if you're going to use your leverage last offseason was the time to do it because the entire organization is structured around what you do well
0: you made one very good point the reason this is not a big story is because there are no sources there yeah, are no right. sources to talk about what the strategy is, what he ultimately wants, what he feels about Baltimore's commitment. And, and look, DaCosta and Harbaugh have said nothing but great things about him. Hell, DaCosta said, like, we can't negotiate with him because he won't come to the table. Um, you know, so that's a big story, but it's a big story once. But there's One no time. agent to go to. There's nobody dropping anything or any, anything. Which is odd but that's why it's an underplayed story because here is a very rare, even, even when cousins was doing his thing, it was a story all the time about how Washington wasn't doing a a, Cousins settled for that approach because Washington wouldn't play ball. And he came out ahead. Then he got a four year fully guaranteed contract from Minnesota. And that was crazy. It was a trailblazing thing for a quarterback. Who's not an outstanding talent. And that was a big story. This should be a big story. There's just nothing there.
1: Well, and to me, the only way where the leverage swings back to Baltimore is some catastrophic injury. Yes. But,
0: or if he played really poorly because he yeah, didn't play but, very well last year. A combination of injuries yeah. and, and the team having a down, down year uh, with a slew of injuries really spurring it.
1: Uh, hit us up on Twitter at OutKick360. There's an honorable mention Uh, with this, and the honorable mention, Paul, is Trey Lance in San Francisco. Yeah. Trey Lance, the starter, is being treated like the starter amongst his teammates on social media. You know, last year, they're not hanging out at games courtside with him, you know, and they're doing – he's being treated like the starter of the San Francisco 49ers. They have not named him that. They haven't traded Jimmy Garoppolo because Jimmy Garoppolo had offseason shoulder surgery, and it's going to take him up to 14 to 15 weeks before he throws the football – That timetable on the throwing shoulder puts him around end of June, early July. So we're not going to see any movement on this. Um, They are strapped for cash, and they gave up a lot of futures uh, assets through the draft to move up to third overall and draft him last year, hand-chosen by the head coach and general manager, John Lynch. There's not a lot of talk about Trey Lance, And, and a lot of it is because we haven't seen him on the field uh, in a, a training camp setting since last year. We haven't seen him throw a football much since then. This is an off-season storyline that's been underrated and undervalued that will crank up as soon as OTAs go uh, uh, head-on collision with uh, a mandatory minicamp where he's going to be under the the radar and the the microscope. And then once training camp rolls around, uh, with or without Jimmy Garoppolo, all eyes are on Lance and whether or not he's going to be the, the heir to the throne because if he's not, that is a massive ripple effect and across the, that division. And
0: the only rumblings you've heard about him, and look, they could be coming from Garoppolo's agent for all we know, but Lance's agent has done a bad job countering it if that's, I if that's the, uh, the truth. Uh, three or four different places have said this offseason that he's not... Living up to the billing.
1: Well, and and some are already trying to say, well, this is a lot like uh, Jordan Love in Green Bay. No, it's not. Because Jimmy Garoppolo is not Aaron Rodgers. That's the difference.
0: And they didn't trade up. And and he's coming off shoulder surgery. And Green Bay traded up slightly in the 20s. Right. They didn't trade up to three.
1: A future, what, two future first-round picks, um, plus other assets to move up to third overall last year uh, with, with Philly.
0: Yeah, different deal.
1: Coming up the charismatic quarterbacks, examples of this uh, with the recent winners across the NFL and how it's hard to find a Super Bowl winning quarterback aside from Joe Flacco who doesn't have the quality of charisma. That's next on Outkick 360. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network from 6th and Peabody. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. Random observation—it got me thinking, Paul. Uh, off of the Brady going to national TV after his career, um, Brady, Manning, Mannings, Drew Brees—all stars uh, during during their playing career, and they're all stars post playing career, and the charisma that comes with that, and and then if you think about what they achieved as starting quarterbacks and then you start thinking of okay the list of quarterbacks who in rec- in that era won Super Bowls other than Joe Flacco I can't think of a Super Bowl winner that we wouldn't put on a list with them there's no dull
0: Eli Manning was dull he's he's not, charismatic now he's charismatic but he wasn't then um, I, I don't think
1: I think he's the I think he's very much that dude behind the scenes um
0: Maybe with the team and stuff, he was, I, I but don't I don't think he came across that way publicly. I, I think very the,
1: much. I think the, uh, I mean, he was on SNL. He did a couple of things there. I, the the dullest of the dull, great quarterbacks was Andrew Luck during this era, like boring type, and on purpose, too. Like he was, just, he was almost entertaining. He was so boring, like with the book club and everything else. Yeah.
0: No, he's um, an interesting guy.
1: It, it, interesting. I, I can't name a boring quarterback right now that's successful. I can do it in Major League Baseball, I can do it in the NBA or uh in hockey for sure. I can absolutely do it in hockey. But in football, it's difficult not to have that charisma attribute at the quarterback position at the highest level.
0: Yeah, I think there are different degrees of it, but like kind of a uh, uh you know it when you see it some kind of moxie to you, um, in order to be able to play the position with, uh, success and effectiveness like,
1: and I'm not my argument, by the way, I'm not arguing anything, but my point, I guess, is there are boring QBs. Ryan Tannehill is a very boring interview and overall there's not much that you can say about what the guys like behind the scenes, right? Um, I'm not, I'm, uh, you, we can name off quarterbacks like that. I'm just using him as an example because he's in our backyard here in in Nashville.
0: And we would know him the best. Right. If
1: we, uh, there's, but if there are, there are other examples of those types of players, but not the Super Bowl caliber guys. Like Burrow's about to cash in through endorsements. Uh, Baker Mayfield, even, I mean, he's not even the Super Bowl caliber guy, but he's all over the TV screen. Justin yeah. Herbert should be as well. Um,
0: Justin Herbert, I think, is going to be next with a lot of those potential national advertising. Mahomes
1: is all over things, advertising. You know, with State Prescott
0: Farm. certainly can carry that um, that Cowboys quarterback role um, for sure. Burrows there, Matt Ryan's been there. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, he would qualify more of the. Deshaun the- Watson's not going to be there because of right. what's hanging over his head, but he could have been.
1: Yeah. Where would you put like um,
0: Lamar Jackson? You know, a- has some of that. Yeah. Derek Carr. Don't know, but we don't know if he's Super Bowl caliber guy either.
1: No, but he's. I th- again, there is some of the there's a likability factor there where he's he is charismatic when he uh, how he carries himself and and the he's much more in the limelight than his brother. Yes. For instance. Anyway, just a, a random observation. Um, I'm not saying it's a prerequisite for what I would look like look for in a QB, but it's hard to find a boring guy that's at the top of his game at that position in the league.
0: Which is good. Let's but hope it's also, it doesn't go that direction. Why
1: do you think it's that way for the quarterback, but not like you know either the the marquee talent on the baseball diamond or you know the the best goaltender in hockey? I'll use another local example: Roman Yossi, kind of a boring dude. One of the best players at his position in the league. Norris Trophy finalist. Boring.
0: Well, I think if you're comparing it, I mean, you'd compare it to goalie and it's just not the same. You'd compare it to pitcher and it's just not the same because it's only every five days. So he's not always in control. Um, And then basketball doesn't really have an equivalent. So it really is a unique position in terms of that. Hands on the ball all the time when his unit's on the field and the most popular sport. NFL sophomores
1: with upgrades around them. We'll hit on that coming up. We'll also get you ready for the big sports night, NBA on full display, Grizzlies Warriors. They're the nightcap after Boston takes on Milwaukee. We'll discuss that, get you ready for tip-offs, and also discuss some players that have had some, some significant upgrades around them this offseason with their NFL teams. And we'll hit on more than just the quarterback spot. It's all straight ahead on OutKick 360.
0: You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes!
1: Who has hit for the cycle for the third time against the same team. First player in Major League Baseball history to do it. He's done it against the Reds today. Um, <laughs> I don't know what it is about the Reds. Well, I know the Reds are yeah. terrible this year, but that's part of it's still very difficult. Other players aren't doing it against the Reds this year. Um, here he is at 30 years old. He's hit for the cycle three times. Um, and Cincinnati is uh, the team that, that has to face him for that. And uh, the other first, Aaron Judge with his first walk-off of his career in Yankees history. I never would have bet on Aaron Judge uh, in 2022 having the first career walk-off of his career. Um, he is, that's the third longest player in Yankees history uh, with, a I think it's like a certain amount of at-bats, it 150 or something. Uh, but he's, he, Judge hit his 167th home run. And it was his first walk-off home run. Uh, Third behind Lou Gehrig, who hit 260 homers before his first walk-off, and Teixeira, who hit 205.
0: 260 for Gehrig. That's remarkable that he didn't hit a walk-off.
1: How does Judge, in all these moments, I would have never guessed he's had walk-off hits,
0: I'm thinking, just not walk-off homers. Homers,
1: yeah. Yeah. especially with the the right-field porch. They really
0: played lousy last night and stuck it out to get in. There was a really weird game. Toronto's pitcher got thrown out after a a conference of the umpires. So Stanton hit a home run that tied it 3-3, a three-run home run. And then the pitcher, I'm sorry, I don't know his name, hit Josh Donaldson. And the umpire kind of – and the Yankees bench was chirping. They were hot. They thought it was retaliation for the home run. And the umpire, home plate umpire, walked Donaldson to first base. The dugout was very loud. Then the umpires all kind of convened as the home plate umpire was walking back to home plate. This had to have been 45 seconds or a minute after the pitch. And then one of the umpires looked back at the pitcher and threw him out. And Toronto was outraged. I was outraged. The Yankees broadcasters were outraged that they threw this guy out. So it was Garcia? With, with, yeah. Without a warning after, after a convention. For hitting Donaldson. And it wasn't high. or second I mean, it pitch. hit him in the elbow, and he was wearing an elbow shield.
1: I'm, I'm reading through this now. It was
0: very bizarre.
1: Uh, prompted boos from the New York crowd and a reaction from the Yankees dugout, who believed that Garcia had purposely thrown at Donaldson in wake of Stanton's game-tying homer. It was the second pitch at, in the at-bat, though.
0: I didn't realize the that. Umpires was the umpires Agreed. Game. Um, but when, you, when do you news? consult with the other three umpires to throw somebody out? I've never seen anything like that to, on, on anything, like somebody yapping about balls or strikes or anything. You don't yeah. go to the other umps and go, hey, should I throw this guy out? He's, uh, the, you throw him out. And they the threw pitching the pitching coach out.
1: The manager also got involved. He got However, thrown out later. He wasn't thrown out until the following inning. And, and then his... "Quote post game was I got thrown out because I'm not supposed to argue warnings." (laughs) Okay. Well, he
0: he got thrown out later when they threw the Yanks threw high and tight to Bichette, but it was just a I mean it was a high inside pitch.
1: uh, Someone has told uh, the pool reporter maybe one of the umpires here. Yeah, one of the umpires said earlier in the game there were some words exchanged between Donaldson and Toronto's catcher. So that definitely played into it. There were pretty strong words. Then you have a game time home run, and the second pitch we deemed intentional, which was the reason for the ejection. All of that played into the ejection.
0: That's fine, a- and that helps me. But I feel like that should be something transparent. But if it's the catcher, furry.
1: if the catcher, it, so is the are the umpires saying the catcher called for it?
0: Yeah, that's did so you eject
1: it, the catcher? <laughs> right, that's
0: interesting. Yeah. Not the pitcher. Yeah. Pitcher's just following orders from his CO.
1: And also, that's a that's a great pitch. I'm looking at the replay. It does not. You could argue its intent, I guess, based on the rumblings of the game itself. But yeah, if you're just looking not at a this pitch, hit if me. you're looking at this pitch in and of itself, it does not look intentional. It just looks like it's inside on the elbow. So i I've never seen anything like that without a warning. There was no warning issued. The umpire agreed with that.
0: A first for American soccer also today. This is kind of weird that it's being made a big deal of, but Christian Polisic scored today for Chelsea against Leeds United the first time an American has scored in the Premier League against an American coach. Leeds United is is uh coached I'm gonna forget his name now. Um but by by the guy that was getting made fun of and, and constantly compared to um The character uh, in the Apple TV show. Come on, help me. What is Ted Lasso.
1: Ted Lasso, yes.
0: So we're at the level now where we could have our guy score against uh, a coach, Uh, one of our guys, and I'm not remembering his name off the top of my head, which is bad form by me.
1: Uh, If you missed primary complaint today, you missed Corey Taylor. I don't know if this was his – this was not his debut on the show. But um, the debut maybe during primary complaint, Corey. Um, Jesse, Jesse
0: March my, is the coach. This is my first time complaining with you guys.
1: Well, so the Outkick's already tweeted your quote as the tease to the uh, segment. The dangers of walking downtown, possibly get hit by a big lady on a bird scooter, <laughs> drunk <laughs> out of her mind. That's my primary complaint. Big
0: lady being the key words. As <laughs> I said, this was actually hey, I help guys complaint about the fact you
1: helped her up. I help her up. You know what I mean. <laughs> I know, I'm not mean what like a gentleman. BK. I'll help her out. Put her back on her scooter and push her on down the road, you know what I mean? I've never been on one of those. You've
0: got gravity help. How many people in this here?
1: room have, have been on a bird scooter? I, uh, two people. Yeah. Yeah. The two um, hipsters. Yeah, We should let the audience know that I film you guys for these
0: intros, and uh, I'm really brokenhearted that we're not going to be able to have a shot where all three of y'all merge on bird scooters. We yeah.
1: could do that. We could race on them one day.
0: I would fall. I'm pretty sure.
1: I think we all would.
0: I'm glad that you guys are including yourself with me.
1: I think we all would on, on that. I've not been on a bird scooter. I don't know how they work. I just know that they appear dangerous, especially on Broadway. There with, I am sounding extremely with old. With drunks. Exactly. I'm more worried with about cars. the drunks, yeah, Corey, than
0: the fat. Well, yeah, He's it, worried about the birds. drunks and the
1: fat. Yeah. I'm not worried about the sober people on the <laughs> scooters. <laughs> the, ones, the ones scared how about of about the thin.
0: Are you scared of the thin? I that's
1: the key. To be brave and get on one of these things, you have to be a little bit drunk or, or on your way.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, you're you on your got, way you to have, get drunk at to, the very least.
1: No, I mean, you have, to, you have to have some liquid courage, I'm saying, to get on one, unless you're Reed. Reed was able to hop on those. He hops on and off, no problem. Um, yeah, maybe we'll send Corey on there. That's a time.
0: segment we need to see right there. Uh, it-
1: coming up uh, tomorrow, we've, we've got a, a, a great show planned. We'll discuss NIL. We will get into uh, uh, college football headlines with Trey Wallace. Armando Salguero is going to join us. Chad's back. Uh, we'll also dive into something I just uh, hit on earlier, which is the the NFL. What I call sophomores, year two players. Um, and Paul, I- I'll go through a couple of them. Najee Harris is one. In with what better what they've circumstances done. Yeah, you per- would think? Circumstances you would think. Jalen Waddle in year two in Miami, now paired with Tyreek Hill. Um, we- we'll kind of. Uh, I'll come through and we'll look at what the teams have done. I think a lot of times we look at the quarterback. Okay, what's been done around the QB? And now I'm thinking about production from the rookies. Both of those guys from Bama were very good in the rookie season um, and lived up to the expectation is how I'll I'll frame that. And now they have pieces around them to where they could flourish even more, Um, especially with the quarterback situation in Pittsburgh. It's going to go through Harris even more, I would expect where a lot of what they did with him was in the passing game last year. I think you see more of that and more of the run game. Um, it's in Pittsburgh. How would they not focus on the run, right? And then in Miami, Waddle's not just on an island by himself anymore.
0: Yeah, and he's got, got, he's got a creative, inventive new coach. And a new coach, yeah. So that, that should be a big factor down there. I, I'm giving him a lot of uh, – I don't know. In some situations, I'm skeptical of the new coach. In, in Denver – I'm skeptical of of Hackett for I, – I don't know why. I think he's a good coach. I just think there are a lot of moving parts there. There are a lot of moving parts well, in Miami I too, think, but I'm giving McDaniel I think a Hackett, little bit of the benefit of the doubt. What
1: helps, what helps Nathaniel Hackett, and this deserves even more of a, a deep dive, he was within an offense of Matt LaFleur where – Aaron Rodgers had a lot of say with what went on there. And now he inherits Russell Wilson coming in, who will have a lot, a lot of say of with what goes on there. I think that helps Nathaniel Hackett with Russell Wilson coming in because he dealt with Aaron Rodgers, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and McDaniels is going to need to baby two of
1: thing Back, Back at it tomorrow with OutKick 360 across the OutKick Network. Marsha Blackburn talks NIL in her conversation with Greg Sankey. We lead the show tomorrow at 2 o'clock Central with that.
0: Don't block the box. Do lock your locks.